0: Tears were filled with her inner eyes, and, and they were you know streaming down every once in a while and She looked at me and she just said, I know what the Bible says, and then I know what it means to have a relationship with him. I understand it she 'd been a missionary for thirty years, but where 's the joy i 'm missing the joy and, and as she talked more about what she was missing and what she wasn 't sensing and feeling, her eyes just Turned red, shot, bloodshot. She was wrestling with this simple question Is it possible? I mean, is it really possible to have guaranteed joy in the Christian walk? Or is that kind of a scam? And if it's possible, why don't I have it? I want it. You know, instead of giving her some quip or quote, you know, I'd been a believer for 30 some years at that point, I could have given her some simple statement some truism, quote a verse, whatever. Instead, I just listened. And at the end, we prayed over, and I said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go away and do some study, and let's see what passages come up that promise joy and show how to get there. And then we're just going to go hard after it. What do you think of that? And she said, okay. I went away and did some study and some reading. This is the passage that I settled on as the one that we needed to work on together I ended up preaching this to the young adult and the single adult ministries up there. This is a big deal passage. The passage we're looking at today says, joy guaranteed. It's guaranteed if you go about it the right way. This deep, inner, complete satisfaction, this knowing that God is right there with you and you are completely satisfied in him. Totally guaranteed. If if. So the answer to the question that we're asking today is simply this, how, how, how can I go about getting this joy? That's guaranteed. How can I go after that? You know, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15 verses one through 17. The ushers are going to be coming forward and they've got Bibles in their hands. So if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you. Okay. Just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. We're going to be working through John chapter 15 verses one through 17. Jesus has a very clear statement here. This is a joy promise. Do you want it? Do you want it? Oh my word. I guess we're just done. This is a joy promise. It's time to go after it with all we've got. Okay? This is the thing that everybody's actually looking for. But they only find it when they go this route. Let's look and see what he's calling us to do, okay? First, first point, stay. Draw your life and purpose from him. Stay, draw your life and purpose from him. The word that's used here is abide. We maybe tend not to use that word too much, you know? When's the last time you used the word abide in your standard English? Where were you yesterday? I was abiding at Burger King, you know? Like, we don't don't use the word abide, right? We don't use that word of, but this is where he's at, okay? Let's start out in verse one. Jesus, He says, "I am the true vine." Can, can you just imagine the moment where he says this? Like it says right there at the end of chapter 14. He says, "Rise, let us go from here." So they begin to move along, and as they're walking, Jesus and his disciples, you can just imagine there was probably vines growing along the side of the road that they were walking on. And he stops and he points at the vines, and he says, "I." I'm the true vine teaching moment. You know what I mean? Let's stop for a second, guys. You need to grasp something about who I am and what you can have in me. I i am the true vine. He says, my father is the vine dresser or the gardener, the one who cares for the vine. I'm the vine. Father's caring for the vine. He's nurturing. He's taking care. He's growing. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch. Well, what's a branch? Well, if you actually move down a little ways, he says, you are the branches. Verse five. See that? I am the vine. You are the branches. So now we have the metaphor, right? We have this metaphor, this word picture. It's Jesus is the vine. God, the father is the vine dresser. We're the branches grafted in there, growing, drawing life. He says, verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that more fruit might be born. So basically there's two choices, not three, not five, not seven, two. We're either not bearing, taken away, or we're bearing, and then we're pruned, not let go to do whatever we want and be whatever you're pruned. So it's either pruned or taken away. Those are our choices, okay? That's the, that's the metaphor that he's showing to us here. He says, purpose, that it might bear more fruit. We are about bearing fruit. We're about showing off who he is as we bear fruit. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is gonna be a really important sentence in just a little bit, okay? He's saying, you are considered clean I have shared truth with you and you have responded to it. You have grasped who I am. You have begun to grasp the plan of the almighty and you are washed clean. You are a branch and you're clean. Remember that because we're going to need it as we try to figure out what something means in just a moment. Okay. You are a branch and you're clean. Now we get to the command. There's actually three commands in this passage and those are the points that we're going to break out. Okay. The first one we said, stay right. Well, we start in verse 4 there. He says, abide in me and I in you. This is in the imperative form. You must do this. Abide. Stay. Remain. Draw life from. It's about being in with me, through me, and about me. It's about right there with me. Abide. Stay remain close to him, drawing life from him. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Oh, you may look like people do. People don't know Jesus Christ and they're trying hard, you know, and they get this external acts thing going. But what he's saying is true fruit. I mean, we're talking heart changing life difference. We're talking what's coming off of your hands and your lips. What's coming off of the all of who you are is because the heart, soul center of who you are is in total alignment with him. True fruit, not fake fruit. You know, the kind where it looks good, but you go over and you tap it and it's plastic and it thumps and it looks, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we're not talking fake fruit. We're talking true, heart-delivered fruit. That can only happen when you're tied into the Almighty. That can only happen as you abide in Him. Abide. I was trying to think, well, what's the best word picture to use for this? And this is the best one I come up with for me right now. I took my two daughters out turkey hunting. couple years back and they were little. I mean Lissa was probably about six and a half, seven. And so the three of us are out turkey hunting. It's about nine in the morning. I'd gone out early and I hadn't gotten anything and so my dad and I went back and we put the girls into a camo jacket of ours, you know. So like it's down to here on them. You zip it up, you put the hood over and it just lays over the top of them. You know what I mean? They're standing like this. They're like, what's the plan? You know like so you kinda we go out into the woods with that thing on and they sit down next to me next to a deadfall, and they've got that camel thing on and I hand them a little turkey call and they're making little call, turkey call sounds and it was a gorgeous morning. You know, the, the breeze was blowing and it was probably in the late, high 60s, low 70s, something like that. And the sun was shining and we didn't see a turkey at all. You know what I mean? It was too warm. It was just too nice. I mean, they were sitting down and enjoying it just like we were. And so we sat there, and we saw a few birds. We saw a few squirrels, and the girls were, you know, calling on that thing. And every once in a while, we'd whisper to each other and point something out. And, you know, we sat that way for probably a good hour and a half, and uh, nothing. And as we stood up to walk away, I said, I'm sorry. I was talking to Alyssa, my little one. I said, I'm sorry, hon. You know, a lot of times, turkey hunting can be really exciting. And then a lot of times, you're just sitting around. I really apologize. I would have liked for you to be able to have a little bit more fun with it. And she raised up her hand to me and she took my hand and she said, that's okay, dad. I just like being with you. Now that's abide. When we say abide in him, it's that's okay. I just like being with you. That's where we're at. We draw life from him. We draw passion from him. It's not because the circumstances have all lined up just right. It's just because I like being with you abide in him and he in you. That's his first command. Now, he goes on after that. He says again, remember in verse 5, we looked at this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. He's kind of progressing. First, it was bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit. He's kind of going along with progression here. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we get to a little bit of complication. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Okay. What's he trying to say? I'm telling you, there are a lot of views on this verse. Okay. And I don't want to go into all the different angles and the different thoughts. I'll just tell you this. Some think, well, I saw the word fire must mean hell. Okay. That's where some go with it. So eternal, and that's, this is a, a big problem, and we're talking eternal hell. So if you're not bearing fruit, you're not in him, then boom, you're gone forever. And, okay. and, and then the other part of it is, well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just means something more temporal, and he's just kind of following through on what happens to branches that they actually aren't bearing fruit, which is they throw them in a fire. You know what I mean? So maybe it's just more temporal. I'm going to tell you this. My position on this, I've looked at this a lot. Remember how I said, remember this. You're going to need to know this. We go back to verse 3. He says, already you are clean. He's talking about some followers who have heard his word and responded to his word and are clean. And he's calling them the branches. Verse 5, you are the branches. So we have believing, clean branches. And then he says to them, abide. Do you hear it? He's giving a command to clean following branches to abide as if following believing branches maybe can also not abide do you see what i'm saying and as you go through then this following this through then what happens to a branch that's not abiding well you end up withering being gathered up thrown into a fire and burned i can definitely tell you this there's some kind of loss there Do you know what i'm saying But I really think this is probably alluding to the fact that we as believers, we can actually experience one of two life experiences. We can experience an abiding, thriving, fruit-bearing, God-honoring life, or we can experience some sort of kind of being gathered to the side and loss. I don't think this is referring to eternal because we've got this statement of branches that are believers. They're clean. The disciples that are following That's where I'm at. Let me just put it to you this way, though. Either way, let's summarize it like this. It's bad. Right? Fair enough? So whichever way you fall on it, I mean, honestly, you come up to me afterwards and you're like, I didn't fall there. I kind of fall where it's more eternal. Okay, fine. Can we agree that it's bad? Can we agree on that? It's not good. So maybe let's just say this. The plan is let's abide. Fair enough? And and not abiding, not good. Not exactly sure maybe what's being meant there. I think I know it, but not good, okay? We're going to abide because fire sounds like it could hurt one way or another, right? So abide. Abide in him with all you've got. That's what he's calling us to. You know, My daughters uh, were talking with my wife at one point. It was actually, they were in a science project and they were trying to learn about photosynthesis. So this is a couple years back. And so my wife got this great idea and she went and she clipped a a clipping of a leaf off of a plant, this green plant we had in the house, and took it aside and she set it on, I forget what, the countertop or something, and let it sit there and said, we're just going to look at this each day and watch what happens Because photosynthesis is about drawing life in through the leaves and it goes down through the, through the branch or the vine or whatever piece of kind of plant you've got. And this is no longer able to draw life from it. Let's watch what happens. And so the next day they come in and they look and this, this leaf is still looking pretty green, you know, it's looking pretty good still. And they're like, nothing. She's like, well, just watch, you know? And so we go through day two and day three and four and five and six and 10 and 20 and 30. I'm like, what kind of plant did you clip? this thing is looking tight green. I'm like, is it plastic? You know, you're looking at it. This thing looked awesome. And it was like 25 days later. And then all of a sudden, one morning, the night before it was perfectly green. The next morning, the edges are just all brown and it's starting to curl in. And by that afternoon, everything was brown. And by the next day, you could have just touched it and the thing would have broken apart. What's the point? You know, there's a lot of times where we may not be abiding And we may not be abiding for quite some time, and it doesn't even necessarily show externally. But internally, damage is being done. Internally, life is not being drawn. Freshness, flexibility, God honoring, God character in our lives is being lost. And we begin to get more brittle and more fragile and more self focused. And then all of a sudden, one day, the edges begin to curl. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to abide in him. We need to be able to reach up our hand to him and simply say, I just like being with you. I just want to know more of who you are. I just want to know more of what you're thinking about. I just want to draw life from you. And I don't want to be severed and set aside. The cost is huge. And unfortunately, we can go for days and weeks and sometimes even months and fake it to where it doesn't look like anything's necessarily been severed. Abide in him. Stay in him. Draw your life and purpose from him. Are you doing that? Or are you the severed leaf? Where are you right now? It's time to get hooked up with him. I guarantee you this, if we're severed, it's always because we've chosen a sin path. It's always because we've said, this is the way I want to head over here. This feels better. This looks better. This does something more for me or my ego or whatever, my security blanket, whatever it is. What is it you need to let go of? And I mean fast. It's time to run and run hard back to him and re-engage with him. Ask for forgiveness and begin to abide again. Lord, what is it you want me to know? How can I know you deeper? How can I know you richer? Are you ready to abide are you ready to walk out of here today saying, it's got to be different. It's time to draw life from him regularly. What's it going to look like? You ready? That's the first command imperative. Stay or abide in him. Okay? Second, pray. Ask in his name. That's what he says. Are you kidding me? Joy? Joy? has to do with prayer. What are you talking about? Why does pray and ask in his name have anything to do with joy? We'll get to that in just a second, okay? Look what he says in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so then everybody runs out and makes the t-shirt that says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you, right? Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. That's how prayer works. Really, is that what it says? What does it say? If. Uh-oh, it's one of those conditional words. You know what I'm talking about? The if-then clauses, and then we want to just assume the then, even though the if never occurred. Well, what's the if say? It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, you draw relationship from him. You relate to him. You listen to him. You grow, you grow in him. You draw life from him. And his words abide in you. You obey. You follow through if you abide in him and his words abide in you, then ask whatever you will, and it'll be given to you. Maybe this is the simple way to say it. We said this last week for prayer as well in the prior section. Prayer is not, how can I manipulate God to give me what I want? Okay, unfortunately, that's how often we think of prayer. Prayer is, well, I'm thinking I want that. So I'm just going to demand it enough times and he'll have to give it to me. Or I'll ask it with enough faith. I believe you can give me the Ferrari. So then why didn't he give it to me? Right. We go after these things where we just start praying for something of me world. And we just demand it enough that we think, I can't believe he didn't give that. But, but what is this really saying? It's saying, if you abide in him, in other words, you draw your life your energy, your focus, your purpose, your passion, your values, your priorities, if you abide abide in him, all of those things in line, then what you want matches what he wants. And as you're looking at a situation and saying, I'm praying this way, he goes, exactly. That's right where I'm headed. Let's go. And we start finding our prayers being answered to the affirmative not because he said, don't, don't hear me wrong. What he didn't say was, Hey, abide in me. And then I'll look at you and go, Hey, great job abiding. Really? That was fantastic. I great job abiding. And because you've abided so well, I'll give you a reward, like a little magic genie thing. What's something you would want ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. That that's not what he just said. Okay. Do you hear the difference? One is saying your will is still separate from mine. And if it doesn't match mine, oh, well, you've done good enough to earn. I'll just give it to you. That's not what this verse says. What it says is when you abide in me and draw your life from me and your priorities from me and your purpose from me, what you want is what I want. You so match my will and I so am in alignment with you that your asking is answered to the affirmative. Do you hear it? Man, does prayer work when you get this. And I'm telling you, it's one of the worst theological problems we have in the church. Is somehow prayer has become, because of a parable and a few other things, a a task of nagging God to give me what I want. What a miss. The Sovereign Almighty has a plan. Maybe we need to hear it. The Sovereign Almighty knows what he's doing. Maybe we need to say, what's the plan? Is it this Lord? Is this the way you're headed? Yeah, not so much. Oh, okay. Maybe over here then like closed doors are great answers to prayer. You know what I'm talking about? I love closed doors. When I'm praying for something to happen, when I'm praying for direction, I love it when it just goes bam, because you can go apparently not there and move on. Do you know what i'm saying? It's really clear the more you have these wide open doors all over the place a million opportunities It can be a little confusing god. Is there something you want me to do? Is it just any of these is okay? What is it that I love closed doors as well as open doors Great direction giving god's got a plan As we abide in him. We get a sense for it We get a sense of who he's working with we get a sense of a ministry that may be needed. We get a sense of an, a ministry moment where we need to be calling someone or caring for someone. We get a sense of God moving in us saying, that's the next step. And as we ask, he does whatever we wish because our wishes are in alignment with him. To hear it? Now that's God honoring prayer. We don't take him off the throne and seat us squarely there for a moment. That's sinful prayer. Okay, you're out. I'm in. This is what I want. Do you you hear what I'm saying? He's not held hostage. He's working with us. Prayer. There is no more fulfilling moment. Well, so that's great. So that's how prayer works. What's the purpose? Why does he do that? Yeah, good question. So he answers that in verse 8. Let's look at it. He says, By this my Father is glorified. So again, it's always about bringing glory back to him. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. It's about fruit-bearing, life-proving, God-pointing, He is worth knowing. Amen? Now that's what it's about. Why does He answer prayer? Not so we can be comfortable, so that He can be glorified. Why does He answer prayer? So that we can be showing a life with Him that's real and alive and valuable. And as friends watch us interacting with Him, as family members watch us going after Him, they go, I don't get it. How does that work? And as the life interaction goes on, God is glorified. That's what it's about. Prayer, lifting him up, showing him off, and showing off that we follow him with all we've got. It starts with abiding, right? The if clause. If you abide in him and he abides in you, his words abide in you, then ask whatever you will. So the first command is abide. It's super important. Don't start the second command before you started the first. You know what I'm saying? All right, we'll do do this this stay and this pray thing. Let's start by praying. Mistake. The prayer piece follows our abiding. As we begin a relationship with him, we start getting on our knees before him and relating to him and hearing from him. And he guides us and he directs us. Stay and pray. Have you ever been in a moment... Or a season of your life where prayers just seem to be answered directly and affirmatively and quickly, and you're just it, like. And some are not in their heads. Like there's moments where you just experience it. You're going, you know. Normally things kind of hang around a little bit, and there's a, but in this season, it just seems to be bang, bang, bang. Things are getting put in line. Our, our family was in that position a, a number of years ago, and just sort of over this season of moving into ministry, we experienced answers to prayer on a regular basis that were not what we normally were experiencing. All of a sudden, we had decided it's time to abide at a different level. We're going wherever you want us to go. What do you want done, Lord? And seemingly, all of a sudden, prayers were being answered more. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, And we're dumbfounded by that. Wow, isn't that really interesting? How you know what I mean? Like, why didn't we pick up on it earlier in life? But when you give yourself over to him and say, what's your will and where are you headed? All of a sudden, when you're directionally headed the way he is, things start getting answered a lot differently. We were in a spot where we had not even committed to ministry yet. Uh, this was back eight, nine years ago. And uh, we were looking to get a home. Um, we were moving up. It was the Naperville thing. You get a bigger house. And so we were looking at other homes and possibly looking at a bigger home. And we had found a house we really liked. It was nice, a couple miles away. And something just didn't settle right with me on it. I, it wasn't that the house had anything wrong with it. It's just it didn't seem right to make the move. And I said to my wife, to Jonna, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. And she said, I, I know. I got the same feeling. It's a great house, though. There's nothing wrong with it. I said, no, there isn't. And I don't, I'm not saying there's anything sinful. Or I just think it might be a distraction. I don't know what I mean by that. Let's just pray. And so our prayer was, Lord, show us quickly that this is not to be where we're supposed to be, if that's the answer. If you don't want us there, show us fast, because they're pushing for us to make a quick decision with the house. So the next morning, I'm going into work, and I go and I push the button, the elevator button. I was an engineer at the time, and I push this elevator button, and uh, a guy comes walking up while I'm waiting for the elevator, and he says, hey, how's it going, Tim? We were friends from church, and we're chatting a little bit, and we get in the elevator, and he says, hey, you know what? I need to talk to you. I said, okay. When? He goes, well, let's do it now. We'll go to a conference room. Oh, uh, okay. What's going on? He goes, Ah, we'll say when we get there. So we get to the conference room. He closes the door and he says, Let me ask you a question. What do you want to do in 10 years? You want to be a manager, a director in marketing? What do you want to do? I said, No, I want to be in ministry in 10 years. And he goes, Are you kidding? I said, No. And he goes, Then go. Get out of here. I go, Why are you saying that? And he goes, Let me just tell you something. He was in mergers and acquisitions. He said, You know, your, your group has 250 engineers in the group. We're trying to get rid of the entire organization. And I'm not supposed to be telling you, and I have no idea why I'm saying this because I probably am in jeopardy to do it, but you need to know it's going to end. You better watch out. So I go, wow, that's kind of an answer, you know? So I called my wife and I said, Hey, I think I got the answer why we shouldn't be getting home. And I told her this, she's like, you're kidding me. I said, no. She said, so what's your next thought? And I said, well, uh, what's your thought? She goes, are you going to seminary? I said, now, why did you say that? I've never said that. She goes, well, I don't know. I think maybe that's where we're headed. And I said, I've got Moody Bible Institute up on the web screen right now. I've been looking at seminary stuff. The two of us were just being drawn a different direction fast. I mean, life really started picking up. We decided we were going to switch churches to a place that had a really healthy church plant, church growth kind of environment Harvest Bible Chapel, Naperville. So we started attending there as an engineer. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just taking some classes, and I was an engineer there. And we said, let's just see if this is right. We held on for about six months to say, let's just see if this is the right spot. Is this where we want to fit in? Are we going to move to Dallas, go to a different school? What are we doing? The same exact day, she got a call from one of the pastors, and I got a call from one of the pastors. They had never talked to each other. And they both asked to have a lunch next Tuesday, the same exact day. And we both went and sat down with pastors, and they talked about plans that they had and things that they'd like to see us be a part of. Would you want to step in in a volunteer role in these ways? And both of us, all of a sudden, instantly on the same day, now had volunteer opportunities within the church. So we spent the next year serving, and then I was praying for direction. Like, God, what do you want done next? I need some insight. So I I decided to meet with my senior pastor, sat down with him, prayed for a little bit of guidance and direction. And uh, we were sitting to lunch and I just said, hey, you know, I'm going through school and I'm looking to transition and I don't know what that'll look like and just your thoughts. And he goes, well, the best way to mentor is on the job a lot of times. So I got a job for you. You do want to take a part-time job here. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just wanted advice, you know? <laughs> so we had to pray through things a little bit. I ended up accepting a part-time job for that next year and it turned into a full-time job and we haven't looked back. I'm telling you, once you step into alignment with where God's moving, And with his abiding, he's got a plan. It doesn't mean it's always the pastorate. Don't hear me wrong, okay? It just means he moves. And he's got an opportunity where he can move you and use you and have you be used. And as you're in the middle of that flow, it's like this mist out in front of you. And you don't know what's in the mist. All you know is he's made one stepping stone clear. And he said, take that step. And you're like, all right. Now what? And then the mist clears. And he goes, now that step. Oh, all right. And you take that step. And that's all life is. Here's how God does not work usually. Take the nine next steps right down there. You see them all? See it? I'll move it all out of the way. Now you see the nine steps. Because you know why? This is what we do then. I got it. And then we just start taking the steps by ourselves. Nice self-trust. Forget about trusting God. So he just keeps it all shrouded and gives us the one next step. Ask and abide that's where the joy comes from because each moment of each day you're like we're right where he wants us he's moving right here he's shaping he's changing and i'm excited to see it god at work in my life are you ready to see god rock your world it's time to abide in him like never before it's time to lean on him like never before it's time to stop looking around you where the mist is all cleared away and it's completely unknown and controllable and start looking out into the mist where you lose a little bit of control and saying, God, what do you want done? Where do you have us headed? What do you want accomplished? How do you want me used? What can I do for you? Is it this, Lord? Is this what you're looking for? As a matter of fact, it is. Take a nice step. Or uh, maybe not that. Maybe right over here instead. Ask and abide. That's where joy comes from. Being right in the heartbeat of where God wants you. Being in the mist, taking one faith step at a time and trusting him with all you've got. Abide and ask. Are you ready for it? It's going to rock your world. Little security blanket's going away. But the big, super, this big security blanket of knowing the Almighty is coming in. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where the joy comes from. Okay, so first it's stay, then it's pray, and last it's obey. Hey, they all rhyme. Yeah, maybe it's a little lame, but it gets the point across. Stay, pray, and obey, okay? Obey. We need to do what Jesus has commanded. We need to do what Jesus has commanded. If you look at these last verses here, we'll start in verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Are you hearing it? I love you. My umbrella of protection, my umbrella of care, it's over you. I'm lavishing upon you. I'm pouring it into you. You matter to me. I love you. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Here's that abide word again. Abide in my love. Now, you can only imagine, again, the disciples, I mean, they're not even picking off the most direct statements. Now you get one of those. I want you to abide in my love. Can you imagine? How do I do this metaphorical thing? Abide in your, I'm going to abide in it. And you can just imagine a couple of the guys, you know how you look it up to the left when you're trying to figure things out? You can just imagine all of them go, what? So Jesus says, okay, clarifier. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Oh, okay. okay. Got it now. Right? So a little clarifier comes out. Now we get it. You want me to keep your commandments. Okay. So I need to be obedient. I get it. That's how I'm going to abide in your love. He says right after it, uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Basically follow me, do as I said. Why have I told you all these things? Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Promise. That's it. Your joy can be absolutely most satisfying, guaranteed, solid, immovable as you obey his commands, as you pray in him. Because you've been abiding with him the whole time. It's stay, pray, and obey. Now, Jesus goes on. I actually was a little confused when I first looked at verses 12 to 17. I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. It's like he changed topics. And then I, then I realized what he's doing. He's defining commandments. Well, wow, you've given a lot. As a matter of fact, in this passage alone, you have two imperatives, abide and pray. So what, what exactly do you mean commandments? He says, I mean, love one another. That's the commandments I'm talking about. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love God and love others, right? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Start loving others, guys. As you abide in this love others thing, you're gonna get it. It's about loving others. It's about reaching out and caring for them. Do you know somebody who's been hurting? Call them. Do you know someone who's been in the hospital? Visit them. Give them a note. Maybe stop by with some food for them. It's about caring for them. We all have to start getting on the glasses of, how can I be caring for the ones next to me? Our small groups are great moments of care element for it. And there's times where our small groups even need to get better at it. We're looking to be reaching out and caring. And we're going to all need to be getting better. Hey, if we didn't need to be getting better, then what's the commandment for it, right? He's saying, come on, buck up. We're gonna need to all get good at this. Love one another. For us as a body, what a challenge. It's time for you to look left and look right. Go ahead and do it. Look left and look right. The nice thing is, when you'd all do it at the same time, you just see backs of heads. (laughs) But look left and look right, okay? We need to be caring for those around us. Not just the ones you know, but the ones you know are in pain. Do you hear the difference? It's caring for the people around you. Love one another. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. Command, love. Love one another. That's what it's about. And in the end, these things I command you so that you will love one another. It's simply this. Tears filled in this woman's eyes, this friend of mine, as she says, how can I have that thing I'll label joy? This somehow satisfying, somehow excited about life thing. And my challenge to you is this. Do what scripture says. Abide in him, reach up regularly and say, I just like being with you. Ask of him in the midst of that abiding, Lord, is this where you're headed? What do you want of my life? What do you want changed? Where do you want me going? What do you want different? What do you want the same? Maybe this, is this what you want done? Yeah, that's exactly what I want done. Abide in him, ask of him and then obey him with all you've got. And do me a favor. Along the way, be ready to have some emotions. Because I'm telling you, a lot of us grew up in churches that taught us emotion bad. But guess what? Emotion got designed. So be very careful. I don't want it to be all about emotion. Then it just goes out of control. But it is about experiencing life with emotions intact. It's about a rich life with our God. It's about celebrating him because of what he's doing in your life. It's about recognizing that he has moved mountains for us, that he is willing to shape our very life, that as we hold our hand up in the air, he reaches down and grabs on tight and says, I love you and I'm here with you. Let's walk through this. You wouldn't believe what I'm about ready to show you. You won't believe the power that you're going to see at work. You won't believe the life change you're about ready to see. I am going to show you how much I love you. Watch this. And as we get to go through it, we simply get to raise our hands up and say, to God be the glory. Don't ever let that become a, you know how important I am? He took my hand. Like, let's not go that way. If we start making it me walk, then all of a sudden it falls apart again. The secret to joy is that you never stop and look at yourself and go, it's all about me. The secret to joy is that you make it about him and others. Love the Lord your God and love others with all you've got. It's abiding, it's praying, and it's seeking. That's what it's about. You know, there was a man who was an owner of a company, and uh, he decided he was going to grow his business. And so he went on a year-long international tour of trying to raise and grow his business And while he was gone, he wrote letters back to the company saying do this. Don't forget that don't forget this Gave these great letters very eloquent very insightful And when he got back home at the end of a year and he had grown all this international business He comes up to his building and there's weeds all over and the grass hasn't been cut, and everything's looking a shambles On the outside of the building and he goes in and there's dust everywhere and the people are all in this room And he walks in and he goes What are you doing? Didn't you get any of the letters? Have you been doing any work? Have you been? And they said, oh, no, we got them all. And they held up the letters. They said, we even bound them all and took them to Kinko's. Look at, and everybody has a copy. And and even Bill's got them all memorized. It's amazing. And And we sit around every week and we talk about the eloquence of the letters and how well they're written and what great insight. As a matter of fact, each week we pick a different one, each of us, and we talk about what we got out of it. And he goes, did anybody read the one on cutting the lawn? How come you weren't doing it? And then you see the faces drop and they go, oh, you wanted us to do it too. Isn't that what the church becomes a lot of times? We have the scripture from God Almighty. Letters and direction and guidance and insight. And it's not so that we can bind them up and everybody walks around with them and they really look cool and each week we talk about what we've memorized and what stirred our little heart, but we don't do a doggone thing. That's not what it's about. It is about obedience. It is about following through. James chapter one, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers only or be doers also. (laughs) That little misquote could get you in trouble. (laughs) Go after it with all you've got. True obedience, true obedience. Are you ready to watch God rock your world? Are you ready to abide in him? Let's just take a few moments right here and right now to begin to abide in him. We're going to just practice his presence. Did this last week too. We're just going to take a little bit of moment to experience life with him. Go ahead and let's have the worship team come on up. While they're coming up, I'm just going to set this up a little bit for us, okay? Abiding in him. I just want to be with you, Lord, no matter what's going on. It takes taking some downtime. It takes no words coming from me. It's just you and him as you talk with him, and as you relate to him. Usually an abiding is started by apologies because usually we've severed and gone after our own thing. Let's go back to him. Let's humbly apologize for whatever the junk is in your life that you've allowed to come between you and him. And then just say the words simply, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to know you. I want to abide with you. I want to stay with you. Let's just spend the next few moments, a couple of minutes here, abiding in him. And then I'll close in prayer. Spend some time with your Lord.